This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Sharice Conan Johnson uh, is the managing partner for Next Street, an organization that equips clients with strategies and solutions to advance small businesses and entrepreneurs and deliver a more inclusive U.S. economy. Based in Chicago which has been the subject of some of my critique this morning. Uh, in her role, uh, she is, uh, as managing partner, she's responsible for overseeing all elements of the firm's advisory practice. Uh, over her tenure, she has delivered small business and community investment ecosystem assessments and strategies in places like Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, and Houston. Uh, and she has expertise in developing client solutions through a racial equity and inclusive lens. Do you see where I'm going here, folks? Sharice uh, Conan and Johnson, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here with you. It is truly our pleasure to have you here. Now, Sharice, you know, I, I could have mentioned the fact that you were a graduate of Yale and the University of Chicago School of Business, and we could have given all of those platitudes as well, but your bio, quite frankly, is extremely long because you're very good at what you do. Can you talk with us about uh, what Next Street is and how it is able to show up in a way that really addresses racial, in, racial equity and inclusivity for small businesses and entrepreneurs? Absolutely. And overall, Next Street has been around for over 16 years. And our whole mission, we are a, a for-profit, mission-oriented company that aims to work across the small business industry. So we work with foundations, we work with government, we work with corporations, we work with entrepreneurs themselves, all to help mobilize the capital that gets to them, the customers that they need to grow their revenue and services and capabilities they need to be successful in their own journey. And we do so particularly for BIPOC communities, Black, Indigenous, people of color, uh, as well as women. And so it's been an incredible way for us to have impact uh, on the businesses, particularly that have been underserved by sometimes mainstream economies and financial institutions. And so we work to, to really change that dynamic, to really change the systems and structures, right, uh, that have held certain populations back from realizing their full potential. Mm, I love that. You know, lack of capital is always one of the main challenges for so many small businesses and entrepreneurs, but, but a, a steady source of customers uh, is also a challenge. Can you talk with us about some of the unique challenges that BIPOC uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners face that might, uh, might also find their, their analog within white uh, entrepreneurial spaces, but seem to have a particular, uh, they show up in a particular way uh, for black and brown business owners and entrepreneurs? entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I listened to one of your other segments uh, a couple years ago now, but still relevant. You, you talked about that we are our products of our history. And so mm. many challenges, particularly that, and I'll, I'll focus in, you know, on black home businesses, for instance, are a product of some of the historical constitutional ways in which uh, the country has, has left out and try to uh, make it harder for certain demographics 
uh, to succeed. And, you know, the result of that is in, you know, today, for instance, black owned businesses are approved for financing at a third the rate of their white business counterparts. And when we talk about equity financing, which is a major source of financing, for instance, nationally white entrepreneurs attract 17 times more equity capital than black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. And so from a capital perspective. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. I'm trying to do the numbers. And another guest has given me insight and said, I can no longer say I'm bad at math. So I'm trying to do the numbers, but I I just need to make sure I heard you correctly. Did you say 17, one, seven times more likely to get access to capital than black and brown entrepreneurs? Yes. 17 times more likely to get equity capital than black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. So there is a difference. There's also, you know, debt capital, uh, which is usually a standard form of repayment, equity capital, particularly if you're talking about uh, some of the more moderate to high growth businesses. And obviously those are also responsible for creating jobs in this country and, you know, creating opportunity in local communities. But but Mm. that 17 times more is, is on the equity capital side uh, but I will tell you, even on the debt capital side, you know, or if you look at the government funding, right, and we had an unprecedented amount of government funding in 2020 with COVID uh, and really trying to make sure capital gets in the hands of small business owners, you know, Black-owned small businesses still closed at more than two times the rate of white-owned businesses. And traditionally, and this is pre-pandemic, when we talk about government funding, only 10% reaches Black and Latino business owners, despite them making over 30% of the population. And most of that government funding is in the form of debt. So whether you're talking about equity or debt, the numbers do not lie with respect to some of the disparities uh, with respect to, to race and ethnicity. Wow. I, I'm i a little stunned. I mean, I knew it was bad. Or I guess I should say I knew the need was bad. I didn't know quite how yeah. deep it actually was. Uh, so when we're talking about uh, the ways that Next Street is able to help make an impact here, how is it that you're able to take the same group of people that all of us are concerned about and create a new way of driving opportunities, capital, and customers in their direction? What is unique enough about Next Street uh, that you guys are making a difference where, quite frankly, a lot of other people seem to have thrown up their hands. Uh, that is a very astute question. And the reason why I have stayed at Next Street over six years, but also my colleagues, and there are over 50 of us who are trying to work on this issue, uh, is because we feel that we have a good pulse on the entire infrastructure that it takes across the continuum of what we've been talking about, which is not just capital, but also the customers and quality services. And the way that we do that is working directly with some of the institutions that are responsible for distributing those capital and those services. And hmm. uh, and I'll just give you an example. You know, last year, 2021, we were able to redirect over $4.5 billion in funding to more than over 200,000 business owners of color. Uh, When I just talked about, you know, previous to that, you know, in, in, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, less than 10% of funding goes to black and and brown entrepreneurs and small business owners. And that redirection is working with these institutions in strategies, but also in distribution, whether that be technology, 
whether that be setting up coalitions in specific cities around the country that have an intentional focus on black and brown communities because of the product mm. set, because of the way in which we use partners to get that capital and get those resources to those entrepreneurs and ensuring that there's also some cultural competence, but also, you know, access in a way that the unintentionality sometimes uh, defeats that purpose. And so that is the way in which we have been working with institutions across the country, albeit government uh, or even corporate. I mean, uh, we recently launched a program with Verizon and, and it's really uh revolutionary. I mean, Verizon wants to reach over a million small businesses to make sure that they're digital ready with a high focus on black and brown communities. And we were able to help uh, Verizon structure what should that, that platform look like? How should, you know, these communities be able to access the coaching, the mentoring, uh, the community, right? Many entrepreneurs mm. and small business owners learn from each other. Uh, I am one, you know, in my previous experience myself and and still have an entrepreneur mindset. Uh, but that is super important to make sure that there are access to these types of platforms. Uh, and that one, for instance, is called the you know, Small Business Digital Ready Platform that allows that intentionality to really come through and, and for small businesses to, to get, get in, in this case, free access uh, because that was is really provided for by Verizon. Wow. You know, you, you'd mentioned, uh, I'm really, my mind is still sort of trying to figure out how all of this comes together, because I think this is exactly the sort of innovative approach that can really disrupt the business as usual model uh, to allow for yep. the, the new development of pathways of opportunity for people who deserve it, but who quite frankly, rarely get a chance to actually experience it. You, you mentioned cultural competence. What role does cultural competence play both in effectively disrupting this existing system and in ensuring that uh, the connections that entrepreneurs and business owners are able to make through this program are actually sustainable. You know, we, we've seen a number of, of folks who say, you know, I can do this, that, and the other to help uh, get you started, but then the lack of sustainability often ends up undermining some of these great uh, incubative spaces for, for business growth and development before they can even really get out the gate. What does cultural competence look like in that sense? I love that question because at the heart of cultural competence, and I know you believe this strongly, is a commitment and a focus to to equity, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say equity, not equity capital, but equity in providing access to opportunities and resources and support for communities of color by intentionally, and that's the key word, intentionally recognizing and eliminating historical barriers and recognizing current needs and context and situations. And that condition, you know, would be achieved if one's racial identity no longer predicted in a statistical sense, and I love numbers, you know, how one fares. And so when we talk about cultural competency, we talk about equity, we talk about intentionality. And so this is getting to the heart of the systems and structures that we need to make sure, you know, get dismantled and then get rebuilt again to your point of having sustainability. And I think in order to have that sustainability, we need to have that intentionality and equity focus continue to carry through. This is not a one and done situation. I mean, you're seeing all these announcements come and you're right. I think if we're not interrogating the sustainability, but also building the products that are different mm -hmm. than the products of the past, 
building the distribution systems that are different from the pro- from the systems of the past and making sure that we have the right infrastructure. And this is it. All of the various players and stakeholders in the small business industry have a role to play. And we need to be really on one accord on what it means to ensure that everyone who says they are, you know, having this commitment or having this initiative is being held accountable and Mm. and that we can then focus on the outcomes because it's not enough for you to say, yes, you, you helped get this entrepreneur to this program or, you know, to this webinar, but are they growing their revenue? Are they growing their profitability? Are they creating more jobs? And until we have the data, also infrastructure to, to monitor, but also to see our progress, you know, I actually don't think we'll be in a sustainable place. And that's what we're fighting for. That's what we want to see happen in this country. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, I'm sure you remember uh, in the summer after uh, we all were, we all watched the video of George Floyd being murdered on on screen and, and there were so many protests and then we saw all of these businesses that made all of these pledges and, you know, earlier last year we had Darren Walker, uh, president of the Ford Foundation on and he talked about the fact that, you know, there were uh, Emmy winning award, Emmy winning, Emmy award winning performances uh, by these, uh, by these CEOs. And uh, we had Jacob Waltower of Blueprint Capital who came on and he said, you know, instead of asking about how much they pledge, we need to find out how much they actually committed. Where did that money actually go and do that deep dive? And, you know, when a group like yours chooses to center equity, can you talk with us a bit about what it means to build a more equitable system? Because in my mind, you know, a lot of times people say, well, there's more than enough to go around. Nobody needs to give up anything. There's plenty for everybody. And I think in the ideal sense, absolutely, <laughs> that is true. But if you are in a system where one group of people have been able to overconsume the benefits and overconsume the opportunities, if we're creating an equitable system, somebody going to have to give up some of that extra consumption that they were engaged in. So it's not really to me true to say that no one has to give up anything. If you have overconsumed and overabsorbed and we're trying to build equity, it will require you to give up some of what you have been able to retain in terms of unearned benefits. How are you able to make that a compelling argument for a company like Verizon or for any of the, the partners that you work with? Because we're in a, in a way, and maybe I, you know, please push back on this if I'm in, if seeing this wrongly, uh, in a way we are saying you have demonstrated an ability to to sort of take more than your equitable share and now we want to disrupt that so that you get a fair share you get an equitable share but that everyone else does too how is that a a winning business proposition for some of these corporate partners who have quite frankly benefited from the exact opposite for so long Mm, let's see now you now you're getting complex and i love it (laughs) (laughs) because this is right this is at the heart of the issue, right? And when you talk about, you know, when one group benefits, perhaps when another group doesn't benefit, you're talking about power, you're talking about wealth, Mm. and you're talking about in a flip of moving some of those pieces in order to redistribute, uh, in order to create this equitable place, which we have to agree, you know, on principle is a goal that we all want to aspire to do. And for us, you know, and uh, we don't make any presumptions that folks actually agree with that principle because at the heart of also agreeing to that principle is a commitment also to anti-racism. And I'm going to say that here because, mm. uh, and you know, fully well, right. Uh, you know, DE and I is, is, is one place, but when we now then talk about the anti-racist uh, nature of wanting to dismantle racist policies 
uh, and wanting to interrogate the ways in which systems and structures have left people out, you know, now we're getting to the heart of, you know, what has been happening in this country. And so let me just give you, you know, back to your question on the business case and, and, and what's in it for these corporations. This, this is good for business, quite frankly, right? Mm-hmm. And so let me just give you an example. You know, prior to the pandemic, and I'll take one class of individuals, and this is black female-owned businesses. Prior to the mm. pandemic from 2014 to 2019, they represented the highest growth rate of any group in a number of firms. You know, they were growing at a rate of, of roughly 8% annually over that time period. And wow. when we have small businesses and entrepreneur firms, they create jobs, you know, and they create actually revenue that contribute to our economy. They create more customers for businesses like a Verizon. And so Mm. the problem though, for instance, is, you know, for this same class of individuals, the average revenue, for instance, for a black female owned business is $24,000 compared to to women overall is $150,000. So listen to this, right? If you were to just make that on par, the, the revenue, right? And this is, you know, we're trying to create programs and policies and structures to increase revenue for, you know, black female-owned businesses. If it was just put on par, American Express is a study that that would create over 4 million new jobs and close mm. to a trillion, close to a trillion in added revenue, which obviously contributes to our, our GDP. So you have also then the trickle down effects of again uh, more consumers, more philanthropists, you know, higher wealth, and those are all good for us as a nation. And so I take the frame that Heather McGee, I'm sure you're familiar with her work. You know, she wrote this mm, yes. uh, wonderful book called "The Sum of Us: What What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together." And she tries to dismantle the zero sum game. And just because we have intentionality and focus and an anti racism bent and perspective uh, doesn't mean that we need to take away from others, but also like it means like let's elevate, right? Let's elevate the group that has been dis- historically disadvantaged. And if we do take away from others, you know, that is a shift in power that we should aspire to do for the benefit of our own country. So everybody benefits when we actually take this approach. You know, it's it sounds almost as if, uh, Sharice, you're saying that institutionalized racism is expensive and bad for the bottom line. Yes, that is a wonderful summation. <laughs> that was a long pause. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wonderful summation. I would, I would, I would agree with with you, and that's why we all actually need to care, and that's why I think these corporations are starting to care. Um, I think mm. it was it was easy to come out after the murder of George Floyd, obviously in in, in May of 2020, for folks to make these commitments. But the, but the true hard work is coming now, is coming in the years coming, that we don't see a rollback, but but we actually true again see the outcomes uh, that we we all want because we all benefit when we have these outcomes. Wow. I, I love that. I, I love that what we're seeing right now is is the um, 
the long-held, I think, beliefs that people within our community have had for a very long time actually getting the support uh, in the broader community. What if, if I'm an entrepreneur listening to what you're saying right now, am I able to go and sign up on the website to receive this type of support? Do I need to come through a particular program? If I'm, at, you know, what phase of businesses are you evaluating when it comes to the groups that you are, are seeking to support? How would I, as an entrepreneur, uh, be able to figure out how to benefit from the work that you guys are doing? Absolutely. And I'm so happy you asked that question. Uh, through our work, for instance, you know, we, we've served over 10,000 small businesses owners directly uh, last year, specifically in New York, Chicago, and Cincinnati. Uh, those are areas, uh, particularly in New York City, we, we, we run the Small Business Solution Centers uh, on behalf of New York City, uh, uh, several of them. And so if you're a small business owner and you want to, to get support uh, and support by way of, you know, developing a business plan, figuring out what financing to go to, Next Street is the organization that that helps you do that. And so you can go to the Small Business Solutions Center website and sign up to speak with one of my colleagues uh, in order to get the support you need and help steer you in the direction that you need to go. It, you know, if you're not in one of those, you know, uh, major hubs for, for us, you know, I mentioned the Verizon, you know, small business platform. That's a free platform. You can go in uh, and just, just Google Verizon Small Business Digital Ready and it'll take you to, you can sign up and, and get some of the free curriculum, sign up for a coaching session, you know, network with other small business owners. Uh, and if you're a small business owner, if you want to just see what we're doing for you and your community, you can sign up at nextstreet.com uh, in terms of getting our access to our newsletter. And, and there we, we do give many other resources uh, for you uh, where you might be in the country, but also uh, place agnostic with respect to some of the resources that mm. might be available to you, whether it's webinars on new programs and so forth. I love that. And, and, you know, I know that over the course of your career, uh, because we haven't even gotten to, to your book, <laughs> right? A Wealthy Girl, Seven Steps to Prosperity, <laughs> Peace and Personal Power. We haven't even gotten to that yet. Uh, but you know, I'm sure you've had a chance to see some patterns of behavior uh, through uh, that, that can sort of characterize or typify the average small business uh, owner or entrepreneur. Uh, can you talk with us about some of the patterns of behavior that either uh, small business owners are engaged in or entrepreneurs are engaged in that might prime them less towards success and more towards frustration. And I'm really getting a sense of what should we stop doing that a lot of us tend to do that is not helping us uh, that you wish we all knew. <laughs> so if you could talk to all the, the entrepreneurs from the community, uh, kind of all of us who kind of come up in the hustle hard community or the hustle hard community era, uh, <laughs> what are some of the general things that we all tend to do that are just not best practices that you think we should perhaps leave in 2021 as we are trying to do this new thing in this new year. Sure. And I love that. And I'm going to speak to that as an entrepreneur myself mm -hmm. and then the work that I do. I, and particularly as a, uh, I'll speak as an entrepreneur of color and I'll, I think I'll speak more broadly, but as an entrepreneur of color, I think sometimes we can fall into the victimization game uh, where, yes, we know because we experience this firsthand that there are so many things stacked against us historically, uh, systematically, and that is just, it's hard. It's mm. hard to swallow. It's hard to fight against sometimes. And even when I was running my own business, 
you're constantly reminded about what you lack. And so mm. it can often have a deficit framework mentality uh, mm. because I don't have, then I can't do this. Uh, but I want to encourage folks in 2022 to have an asset framework mentality. And yes. not to say that we're not going to recognize what happens because obviously we need to. We are the products of our history, right? I'm repeating back to what you told me and mm. told audiences. Uh, but in the asset framework, we have so many more uh, resources and intangible assets as well that, that help us be successful in the way that we are, whether it's our relational capital, whether it's our faith, whether it's the way in which we hustle with each other, uh, whether it's pooling our money, right? Whether it's the Susu or some other collective mm. uh, pooling of capital outside traditional mainstream systems. And like, yes. let's do that. Right. Let's not wait for the for the for sometimes the white savior, but also even other saviors institutionally uh, to to really get us out. And so I want to encourage people to have an asset framework and to 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 recognize the history, but also to claim uh, that you have assets as well. And let's let's leverage. Let's look. Let's find out how we can be able to take advantage of those. Mm. The second thing, and I think all entrepreneurs face this. (laughs) <laughs> the second thing, and I think all entrepreneurs face this, is that we, we tend to feel as if we can go at it alone. And Oh, no, you're talking to me right? now. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Right? right? And you're an entrepreneur, right? You, 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 are, yes. you are doing your thing in terms of, you know, the organizations that you have co-founded, and now you have this radio show. I mean, you, you are doing your entrepreneur thing. We, we feel like we can do everything on our own. There is nothing wrong with help. Help is a great word. Assistance is a great word. People don't become wealthy by doing it all alone. They become mm. wealthy also, right, by making sure that they have around them the right advice, the right counsel, so that they can mm. take advantage of opportunities, right? And so I want to encourage folks to look out for those measures of assistance. Uh, that can really perhaps unlock a bottleneck, create mm. some access that where you might not have looking or journeying with an advisor, for instance, uh, in order to, 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 to move you faster, to move you farther, or if that's not the case, right? Because not everybody has growth as a goal and that, that's fine. Whatever it is Ooh. that you decide to, that you want to do with your business, uh, get the help that you need or people that are also other entrepreneurs like you that are in the same or even a little bit ahead of you in terms of uh, where they are in their journey to, to, to help you and support you. Mm. And then the last thing I would say in terms of uh, what can you do in, in, in 2022, um, I want to, I want to, I want to point people toward uh, making sure that particularly when it comes to their, their finances uh, for their business, uh, because it's one of the bigger challenges that uh, uh, all small businesses have uh, is understanding, you know, what it means to to move from, you know, X amount of revenue or X amount of profitability uh, to that next gauge and, and how you do that. I think how you do that. I think COVID has taught all of us and, and next year there's a small business itself. I mean, we, we have 50 employees and so we, we know this well mm-hmm. too. Uh, understanding those financial elements and tying back to the second point I mentioned, getting the help that you need, whether from accountants, again, or advisors to, to help guide you 
and understand what the financing is going to be, uh, and particularly again for uh, and I'll and I'll use even Black female entrepreneurs. And, you know, accessing funds is 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 one of their bigger challenges. Uh, but making sure that you have what you need to have in order uh, to to move to that next level is 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 critical. So mm. um, don't be scared of, of of the finances. Embrace the opportunity to uh, get those where they need to be and uh, keep it moving. Wow. Uh, man, I, I don't know where you guys were when I was in private practice. Uh, I learned the hard way that being a good lawyer didn't mean you knew what it took to run a law firm. Right? So, so being a good uh, talent is different than being a good business that can distribute the talent, right? There, there are two different sets of lessons there. Uh, and I, I really wish you guys, I had known about you all beforehand when I was back in that space, because the, the reality is I made so many mistakes, Sharice. I mean, and you, I mean, everything you just talked about and I was me able too. to be successful me in too. spite of but it really is um, a privilege for me to be able to have brilliant folks like you all on so that we can help the audience really avoid uh, some of those traps and, and quite frankly if you've never done it before you don't know what's out there and and that point you made about not having a, a deficit mindset but more of an asset mindset I think that is a universal rule uh, that people particularly uh, in the African diaspora community really have to be aware of because yes we must know that history as you rightly pointed out we are students and products of that history but we don't learn our history to be trapped by it we learn our history so that it can help open up doorways of opportunity to the future now we only have a minute or two left but you got to tell us how about the book a wealthy girl seven steps to prosperity peace and personal power how do people get their hands on that as well and how do they follow the work that you are doing at next gen so they can better inform themselves as they branch out into this entrepreneurial space Absolutely. I appreciate uh, the last few minutes to talk about this and super excited. I'll have my one year anniversary of my book, A Wealthy Girl, wow. Seven Steps to Prosperity, Peace and Personal Power. And the excitement and, and feedback has been amazing. It's, it's about building a wealthy life across the spectrum, uh, mm. both from the tangible assets that you have, but also for the for the intangible assets that you have. And so check it out. You can find the book on Amazon, right there, one click away. Uh, and if you want to get free tips, uh, feel free to sign up for a free newsletter at my site, www.sharissez.com, uh, where you can also get updates on a book and where I will be speaking. Uh, on Next Street, you know, sign up for our newsletter, www.nextstreet, just as it sounds, nextstreet.com, and continue to hopefully grow and flourish uh, in all of the things that you are doing. I'm super excited for the opportunity to join you today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it has been my pleasure. I hope we can get you to come back because I think more and more people are realizing uh, this great resignation, it might show up differently for a lot of us, but it is showing up and it's going to be on us to really be as informed as possible to take the reins of our destiny and really build that asset model into a, a profiting, thriving uh, business enterprise. I'm so glad we were able to get you on today. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and continue to do your amazing work. 